Hi everyone, it's Gracie with Self Care with Gracie. Welcome back. I wanted to report in on a couple of things. One is that the abundance party that we did on last Saturday night in Washington, D.C. as a fundraiser for Thrive D.C. was a huge success. And it was not a huge success because it was perfect. It was far from perfect. We actually showed up the day of and found out the room we had been planning on using was given away. And um, there was no Wi-Fi and all these other little details. It was a lot of me abandoning my perfectionism and just saying what needs to happen. And of course, when I let go of perfectionism, that's when really good things happen. And it was a great evening. I had probably over 70 women show up. We raised $2,000 for Thrive. And I just saw so many great connections spark that evening. So I feel really happy and really kind of ready to just see what life brings right now. I'm, I'm moving into the more pregnant stages of, of everything and excited for the summer. I will continue to provide podcast content for as long as I can. And we have a, a, a guest in that, um, in that vein right now. And she's a very special person in my life. Her name is Sarah Waybright. Hi, Sarah. Hey. And Sarah is, Sarah is a lot of things. Um, she is a nutritionist or dietitian, registered dietitian. A nutritionist, and she is um, someone who loves to cook. She describes herself as a why person. She says, if I don't know why I'm doing something, I find it hard to stick to. So for people like me, I want to explain not just what to eat, but why it's important. This approach also subtly slides you into a positive frame of mind. If you're focusing on the benefits of food, you're more likely to seek healthy options, value them, and eat more good stuff. So she um, works for a few different corporate wellness programs and um, spends a lot of time on Potomac Vegetable Farms, where she works part-time in Vienna, Virginia, and is, um, has one-on-one -on -one programs and group coaching programs, which we'll talk about within the call. Sarah is also my brother's girlfriend, <laughs> so a part of my family and someone that I, I know will be in my life for a long time. So, Sarah, thank you for being here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I wanted to start by um, talking a little bit about your, your background, because you, I think of all the people I know, have one of the most fascinating backstories, that you grew up on a farm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, which is your 10th generation, right, on this farm? Yeah, my generation is, no, my generation is the ninth, so the next one is the 10th. Okay, wow. So can you explain a little bit about what it was like to grow up in that environment and how it's shaped your views on food and how that factors into the work you do with your clients today? Yeah. Um, and that's such an interesting question because growing up there, I didn't think that it was super unique or special. I mean, it's at Gettysburg in general and Adams County is a very agriculture cultural area. And so a lot of my fellow friends and classmates also had farming in their in their backgrounds um, and at the time <laughs> I didn't really appreciate it I didn't I didn't um, think that it was being I guess formative for me but um, in retrospect it certainly was and I was um, I think I, I think I was really blessed in that I did have the opportunity to grow up in the country where we had a big garden, um, still do, my mom plants it every year, and you know, we do lots of beans and tomatoes and some herbs, and um, she always has beautiful like flowers on all sides of it, so it's, it's a beautiful place, and it really provided us with a lot of 
wonderful fresh food that we could grow and pick ourselves, which again was something that I did not value. Um, and in fact, probably the opposite of that, I detested, you know, like being told to pick a hundred beans before dinner and things like that. So, um, now I, I definitely see that that was a significant thing and, and not something that every kid gets. Um, so I think that that has sort of definitely informed my, my past at this point and also my future vision. Um, and, and my mom did a great job. I think the food thing was one thing that um, she totally nailed. She had dinner, you know, for the family home cooked on the table every night. She was a full-time mom. There are five of us. So it was for sure a, a, an all-consuming all job. Um, but you know, we always had a home cooked dinner. She always gave us, you know, portions that were appropriate and, um, you know, we had to try things and, and finish vegetables and things like that. So, um, and, and accompanied with like a lot of positive encouragement around, um, you know, you're, you're beautiful and I love you and, and all that kind of stuff that I think tends to get mixed signals with, um, when you're, when you're growing up as a girl, it's like the food thing can become an issue and it, it sort of it just I guess never was for me because I had that really positive association with food and with myself and and you know there are certainly stages where looking back I was <laughs> I was not all that beautiful but you know having having a mother who you know believed that about us and and said it every day was really um, I think in the end pretty powerful so um, I, I didn't ever expect to want to be a farmer and I went into nutrition as sort of an alternative to medical practice. I was pre-med in college and thought that that would be a good path. And when I was real with myself about what I wanted my life to be like, um, becoming a doctor didn't really fit with how I saw myself um, someday being a mother that was very much, you know, highly involved in children's lives. And, um, it, you know, the uh, cost of medical school, there were a lot of factors that went into that decision, but I did get a job after college and that was one of the best decisions I ever made was not to go directly back into just another random medical field, um, like nursing or physical therapy, because um, working at the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, I came in contact with dietitians and learned about dietetics as a career path. And I thought, well, this is a really good intersection of you know, nutrition and science and food. And, um, this is, this is a good place for me to be. So I, I went into nutrition almost as a, as a health science alternative more so than a, um, from a, from an agricultural standpoint, but now I find myself working on a farm and planning to have a farm someday and still, still doing the, you know, the health science nutrition education of it. Um, as you, as you read, I'm a, I'm, you know, believer that people should understand more about their food and, want them to understand some of the whys and the hows. And it's, you know, if you don't learn this stuff, it's very mysterious. You know, you eat something and then it goes into your body and you don't really know how, how things work once it, once you swallow. So, um, still want to incorporate that aspect, but I also want to give people a taste of that country life that, that I had and, and did take for granted and it sometimes hated. Um, and so, you know, living in DC for the past, God, it's almost like seven years now that I've been in DC um, and spent two years in Philly too. So being in the city life has really shown me the beauty of the country life, which is sort of ironic. Um, 
but at the same time, you know, having the benefits of living in the city is something that I also want to incorporate in some sort of way in my future country life um, to balance it out. So, yeah, I, I just talked for a while. Is there anything you want to? Yeah, it's great. I, I'm struck so much by how intact your food system was and, and that reflection of, of how you, you didn't doubt yourself within that. And it's, it's, a, it's, you know, a connection that I haven't explored very much because I, I do know that when I've been in very intact ecosystems before, like it seems to really do something for my sense of self. Like, I don't feel like I'm as self-conscious in those environments. I feel like my body can relax. And I'm thinking of like spending time in the Amazon or like the biggest example of this was like being in the Galapagos of just being in a system that hasn't been tampered with. And it brings to mind how I grew up, which was going to the grocery store, buying most of our food in boxes. Or my, I think my mom did a really good job of making sure we had milk and vegetables and, at every meal and high-protein foods, and we would eat together and so many of those great things. But definitely most meals included like a rice-a-roni product. We would, I remember like opening those little sauce packets and like stirring it all together which at, at the time, I don't think there was a lot of consciousness that like we should not be eating that food at all. And, and, I, and what I hear is I've been to your farm before, which is amazing. And I've, um, I've seen your mother's vegetable garden. If anyone goes, your, your mother will force vegetables upon them. I came home with a huge bag of tomatoes. So I, it's, I, I think your perspective is unique. And I'm wondering about what, what it is for people who did not grow up in that kind of environment and feel really overwhelmed about knowing that they should be making more natural food choices. How, how do you start to bring more of that holistic perspective when you, like someone really doesn't have the first idea of like how to, how to eat or nourish themselves in that way? Mm, yeah. Um, well, sort of concurrent with, Actually, I, I can't say for sure when the explosion of farmer's markets started in D.C. There have certainly been farmer's markets um, since probably the 60s or 70s. But right now there are more farmer's markets in D.C. per capita than there are in any other city in the U.S., which is crazy considering that we're not one of those like hippie cities that, you know, prides itself on having a super uh, rural farming, you know, intersection. Um, but we really do. We have it. It's, it's totally there. So I first and foremost encourage people to find the nearest farmer's market, start going there regularly, find a few vendors that you're going to frequent regularly. And um, this is also a great time to do that because people are more and more concerned, um, sometimes I think warranted and sometimes I think um, just a lack of information and overhype in the media makes you scared of things you shouldn't be scared of. But um, you know, if you're someone who cares about pesticide use, if you're someone who cares about um, growing practices, um, being able to face to face ask a farmer, you know, how did you grow this or what, you know, what do you what treatments do you guys do to your plants and soils and um, a lot of farms are visitable, they don't necessarily encourage tourism as a as a revenue source necessarily, which is what I'm sort of interested in and in doing um, on my future farm but um, a lot of them, yeah, have like pick your own or, um, you know, you can you can go and just wander around, <laughs> look at things. Um, I'd say always you want to call before you do that unannounced if they don't already have a, a system for it. But a lot of them are very open to that. So um, I think that's the first way and the easiest way for people in cities to start to get in touch to with their with their food supply and, and understand a little bit more about how their food is, is being grown. Um, 
and you know I think the the one undisputed thing of all eating patterns you know you hear you know vegan this paleo that um, so many different quote-unquote best you know best diets um, and the only thing I think that they would all agree upon is that we as Americans need to eat more vegetables period like non-starchy vegetables um, that's that's one of the most universally true things um, and in fact you know in all my years of like cooking for people and talking to people about food there are maybe like one or two people who in conversing about their intake I've really thought wow this is a person that I would not recommend eat more vegetables this person is eating a tremendous amount of vegetables so um, I think that's the simplest thing that you can start to focus on I guess is just noting you know is there a piece of produce present at each meal and snack that I have and if not then that's something to to start linking in and aspiring to <laughs> To create in your food habits on a daily basis. I don't know if that really answered your question. But. It absolutely answers my question. Yeah, it makes me think about. Um, I, I have a sprouting practice. I, mm -hmm. I, I like to make sprouts. I, there's a great um, sprouter. It's called like the Easy Sprouter. I'll put a link for it in, in the show notes. And I can make like I've been sprouting mung beans on my counter. And the little kid in me, the adult in me is like, great, mung beans that are sprouted have a lot of protein in them. When I was in India, actually, the doctors told me pregnant women should eat a lot of mung beans. And so it's, it's a nice variation on them. But the little kid in me is so excited to see these little suckers sprout every single time. And they, it takes about three days for it. So there's, there's something, I think, in the joy of the growth process that, that feels really like it tied into our, our being, that we're used to watching things grow. It feels like a, a great process to watch them grow. So there's getting back into that environment where we can see that happen. I think it, it unlocks a lot. And I'm thinking of one client in particular who I, I really stress in my programs that people need to make small gradual changes. And so her first change was she started going to the farmer's market with her husband on an old town. I have a whole testimonial about this. I'll put it in the pod, podcast notes as well. And she from there started bringing salad to lunch every day for work, started like ended up losing a lot of weight, ended up going on these morning walks with her friends, started taking yoga classes with her husband. It was like going to the farmer's market was the thing that really sparked everything. So what you say, it might seem kind of obvious of like go to the market. We all kind of, you know, who live in cities are aware that they're there, but that I think that doing that is can actually bring up a lot of habit change. Yeah. And even for people who can't go to a market, um, what you just said triggered me to remember that, yes, there are, there are CSAs. A lot of these farms will deliver you just a week's worth of produce for a set price. And um, the farm that I work for has one. So you can maybe add that one in your show notes as well for people that are local to um, either pick up at the farm. That's a great interaction point, or you can have it delivered to somewhere nearby um, where you are. Awesome. And, you know, I feel so lucky to have you in my life because not only are you a great, a great friend in person, but you're also a fellow entrepreneur. And I think the odds of like having two <laughs> entrepreneurs in one family is, is pretty rare. And so it's been really cool to, to watch your philosophy and to watch what you're doing and to watch it evolve and change as, you, as I've seen you getting more solidified in this dream of having a farm. And um, so can you talk a little bit about what this bigger vision of having a farm is? For you and how how you've dealt with that of like having this big vision over the past few years and how you've changed your business to start to to reach towards that and um 
and bring in the idea of kitchen therapy, which I really want to share with everybody here. Yeah. Well, I obviously owe you a great gratitude of um, thanks to help me start to make some connections with the things that I'm doing versus the things that I want to happen. Um, and, and the alignment of those two elements. Um, and I have this, this, I guess, big dream of having a farm that is, um, you know, somewhat diversified doing, doing vegetables and maybe some fruits and, um, laying hens and, um, maybe some other animals just for novelty purposes. Um, and I should say I grew up on a dairy farm, so that's a very different, very different thing than what I am looking to do. Um, so, and, and have that be a, a platform, I guess, for people to learn more about their food and interact more with their food and stay for a weekend. I want to have a beautiful, you know, guest house or inn place for people to stay. And one of my side, I guess, much self-taught hobbies is, is like home decorating and, and renovating and making things more functional and beautiful. Um, so I want to have that be a huge element of it. And, um, also, you know, use the farm in a, in a way that, um, actually processes some of the food that we grow there. So there's, I mean, it's no secret that there's a huge amount of food waste in our system right now. And that really starts in the field when, there's a zucchini that is a little bit too big, you know, it's going to be a little bit woody, so you don't pick it or you pick it and you just leave it in the field to go back into the earth. Um, and then there's the food waste from when you have harvested something, brought it to market, it didn't sell there, you brought it back to the farm, you maybe make it available to your CSA members, but maybe no one takes it and suddenly you've got this once beautiful, you know, bunch of parsley, let's say, that has now traveled a around a bunch and hasn't really gotten sold. And now it's going to end up as compost. And to me, that's crazy because you just spent endless hours and energy and time, you know, growing this thing and caring for this thing and weeding it and watering it and picking it and washing it. And, <laughs> and to have it end up as compost is, is crazy. So I want to have some element of a food processing thing. So when that parsley comes back from the market and it hasn't been sold, um, you know, maybe we dry it or maybe we, um, you know, put it into a soup and jar it or, you know, maybe, I don't know, put it in some sort of pickling thing. Um, so having those workshops for people to actually experience how do you preserve the food that you've gathered um, and, and actually use it to cook with. Um, is definitely a big part of what I of what I want to happen and and I'm getting more into fermenting and pickling myself so those are things that I want more people to be able to do for themselves um, and actually you're the one that gave me my my kombucha mother so she's still alive and giant um, and you know there are so many there are just so many ways to reuse and and you know the the marketing term is value-added product right create these value-added products that you can then sell at a later date um, and usually for more money than you could the original version. So having some sort of kitchen to both do the workshops and then also to preserve the food is part of the part of the vision. vision. Um, and then I also want to have an element of community in that I want farmers who have very small operations or um, just want to explore some things could have a way to do that. So for example, I love mushrooms. They're tricky to grow. You have to know a lot. You have to really, I guess, 
try a lot and um, and and that's not something I necessarily want to learn to do, right? Like I, I'm fine with purchasing my mushrooms. I don't need to be the one that grows my mushrooms. But if there were, for example, a mushroom farmer who wanted some place to grow mushrooms, having that as the component to be on the farm as a complementary sort of side business. Um, and I guess the, uh, the analogy for this would be like the way there are um, – uh, well, in D.C., it's like either mess hall or union kitchen, places that are sort of hubs that allow a lot of different vendors to create their products and sell their products, um, but do this more on a, on a farming and production scale. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's a medicinal herb patch for someone who wants to, you know, make her own teas or um, – I don't know. There, in my mind, the the options are endless, and I would be really wanting to have that kind of community collaboration because I think that makes what I would want to do from an educational standpoint much more interesting. And uh, again, I, you know, I can't learn everything. I've learned a lot of things, and and want to keep learning a lot of things. But at some point, like I'm going to be at capacity, and <laughs> just need for other people to be experts in areas that we can communicate with. Um, so um, I've, I've been starting to transition my business, which used to be based on dinner parties. So that was my original concept was that I was going to be sort of like the Mary Kay Tupperware party of food education and come to the house and like provide a whole dinner party and tell people about how to cook things and why to cook things and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I did that for two, two and a half years, um, and it did work. People enjoyed it. I found it to be uh, logistically very difficult. It relied upon a host, you know, collaborating with four to eight people and getting them all in the same place at the same time and paying ahead of time and then schlepping tons of stuff to their house to prepare food with and it sort of killed a lot of the joy of it for me. I, I enjoyed the dinner party and the, and the process itself, but I didn't enjoy any of the things around it. And, um, you know, quite honestly, like you can't, you can't get ahead that way. You can't make money. And even though my early vision was to somehow franchise it so that I could make money, um, doing it, I found that the, the demand wasn't really there for it. So I never got to that point where I had more dinner parties than I could do myself personally. So it was exhausting and um, not financially <laughs> realistic to continue doing. Um, but at the same time, that interactive food experience is something that I still want to keep in my, my model. So I am sort of pulling from that and from the corporate coaching that I do, which is mostly by phone um, from home, which is wonderful. And the farming aspect, and um, I've, I've done a couple of, like, small-scale internet-based um, things. And so pulling that all together to be one program um, to offer people is, is where I'm at now. So I'm currently in my pilot program. I've got eight people going through my eight-week program, um, which starts with, with a kitchen clean-out. So... I think a great way to launch yourself into a new phase of life or if you're trying to drastically alter your habits is to uh, have some sort of physical representation of that. And um, again, I come back to the beautiful functional concept. I really want people to enjoy being in their kitchens and um, 
find them easy to navigate and, you know, not overcluttered and, and, you know, some things just don't make sense, but we've done them for so long that we keep doing them that way. A lot of times in the kitchen, you know, where you store things or, uh, you know, just how you use things, I guess. So, um, each of the people in my program started with just this top to bottom, like let's tear out everything from the cabinets and reorganize it. Um, try to figure out what systems, because I believe that if there is clutter, it's because of a lack of system. There's, you know, a reason that that's happening. So if you have a consistently a pile of mail or a pile of clothes or, you know, whatever it is that gathers dust places in your house, it's because there's not a system for it. So trying to evaluate what are the systems that will keep your kitchen clutter free. Um, you know, what are the most practical places to store things? You know, does it make sense to have something that you use frequently, you know, high and hard to reach, you know, just simple things that most people say, oh yeah, I do that because I've always done it that way, not because it's the best way to do it. So it starts out like that and then um, sort of takes people through week by week, um, setting some goals and priorities for the health habits that they want to address. And then starting in week three, it starts dropping with, with the modules that they get. It starts dropping like a mini course almost on the nutrition science part that I get excited about, that I want other people to be excited about. And so we'll see at the end of this if I've done a good job of actually making people be excited about it. But, um, you know, there's just a lot of basics that people aren't aware of. You know, people are, are not even aware that sugar is a carbohydrate or I don't know, you know, they, the word fat, I think is, it's super crazy that the word fat is the same word for this essential life-giving nutrient as it is for like that person looks overweight and that has like really changed our relationship with fat as a nutrient. Um, so I just try to like share with people my vision given my farm upbringing and my nutrition science education and my, I really love, I mean, I love food. I love to eat food. I love to try food. Um, I love to cook food. And so it's from a very, you know, it's from a place of enjoying the food that I want to do all of this. And I think so much in our, in our current world, we see a lot of like, guilt and shame and, you know, labels, good, bad, you know, what have you. Um, and through my unique combination, um, much of which is completely outside my control of life experiences, it's led me to a place where I feel like I do have a really good relationship with food and I want to share that with people. So I'm hoping that this program leaves people feeling more energized and more confident and more organized and um, not doing the second guessing and, um, self-shaming and, um, so much of it just comes down to planning and simple, you know, making a weekly plan for meals. Um, and there's just no reason not to do that in our technology enabled world. Um, so I started using this, um, meal planning platform that has really helped me personally. And I think could help lots of other people too. It really does a good job of like throwing some different recipes into your plan and you can specify what, you know, what eating pattern you have in terms of foods you eat or don't eat. Um, happy to share the link for this, this too. Cause I think even by itself, this very tiny, uh, you know, if you buy a year subscription at $6 a month plan, will get you really far in just the food structure and planning um, of, 
of your daily habits. Um, so, so yeah, that was a lot of, um, <laughs> that was a lot of things. Um, those are good that, things. Was all of that cohesive or, um, are yeah. there certain things that, because you know, my plans and my structure so well that you wanted to revisit? No, it's, it's all sounds really good to me. And I, and, uh, I, I think that's the, the hardest part about being an entrepreneur is making it make sense because I think we're moving into this time where we can't be fragmented beings. Like we can't be like, well, this is my real passion, but I just do this on the side. It's like, I think for us to really work as entrepreneurs, we need to put putting all of our life passion into our work. Otherwise it just, it does get too hard. And even people who aren't entrepreneurs, I think feel this of like, what it is to go work in a job that doesn't feel aligned with, with our values. And so it's been really cool from my perspective, just to watch you take all the parts of your story and put them together in a way that you're, you're put like, I think I really agree with you that I, of anyone in my life, I think you have the most non-conflicted, healthy relationship with food that I know that you, I watch you and you, you know, if, if it's pizza and beer, you will like have pizza and beer and totally enjoy it and not feel guilty about it. And then the moment that you can cook for yourself, you're going to put some more plants in there and you have a really over overarching way of just looking and moderating yourself. And, and that, that I don't find comes naturally to me. It's something I have to remind myself often. So it's great to see you put your natural gifts together with your background. Like you said, some of it you have been in control of and some of you haven't, and then also make it all be working towards this bigger vision of helping people, you know, embrace this farm lifestyle. Cause it, it sounds like your farm dream is not really about yourself as much as about creating community and education and opportunities to share this message that you've gotten to have with other people. And so I, I, I get curious about the like emotional process behind that too, of what is it to have a really big dream? What is it to reach a point in your business where you decided you wanted to make some changes and, and what has that been like for you to, to make these changes and, and really open up to this bigger vision of life? Yeah. Well, I will say, I think I did wait too long to invest in myself in the form of getting guidance and you know, I, I thought that I could do everything myself and marketing was really my weak spot. So, um, having your help and since then reaching out to other, you know, places where I can get help for that aspect of things, um, has been really valuable because it's, you know, any, any kind of big vision that you have, it's not, um, you know, it, there, there are very few days that at the end of that day, you've made a huge step towards it. You know, I, I mean, I guess the day that I sign a lease on a farm, that will be a huge step towards my vision. But most days, it's just about what, like, completely minuscule thing can I do that will inch me closer to that. And so having a clear knowledge of what those things are is really important. And that is where being outside of yourself and talking to other people and having other people's input is really valuable because, um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs and people who are self work for themselves feel this way, but you know, you don't have that sounding board of your, your coworker or your office mate to, to ask questions and like, does this sound crazy? Does this sound clear? Like, am I getting my point across? So having that is <laughs> I think crucial and I didn't realize how crucial and how early on I should have been seeking that. Um, and also, I mean, 
you know, I've been, I guess, self-employed for government purposes now for five years, four or five years. And, um, you know, not making a tr tremendous amount of money, but this was the first year that I saw on my taxes, the value from a tax perspective of investing in myself. So, you know, most of what you are doing to better yourself and there and thereby your business or vice versa is is right offable. And so that was good encouragement for me to remember that, you know, it's not about being completely stingy and saying, okay, well I can't spend any money, you know, on on enriching myself or my life or my my business education in some way because I, you know, want to save every penny. Um and that was a mentality, you know, I the, the farming lifestyle people successful farmers are not frivolous with their money like they can't be you have too much variation from year to year you have to have savings in order to make it through a year where you don't make any money or even lose money so that was also ingrained in me was like save 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 you know buy things on sale don't um you know spend money on on things that you could provide for yourself at a lesser cost and so just doing that a little bit getting my money out of my bank account and working for me has been a big transition in my in my thinking and my acting and um hopefully will also then yield a transition in my earnings um so i think there was a second part to your question that maybe i'm not getting at but what um yeah, I, no, I think you're answering it well. It's um, just like I hear what I hear and what you're saying is that it, it was changing your perspective around what what was like smart in terms of business and how to and how to ask for support. And these are all kind of backbones of self care that I believe in. It's like you have to invest in yourself, and that can be investing in yourself through waking up in the morning and doing a daily morning routine. That can be investing in yourself of like taking you're an amazing potter, Sarah, like taking a pottery class because that's the thing that you love or it can be investing in yourself of like, oh, I need some help. And that's like getting a therapist, investing in someone to help you come and clean out your kitchen. And then also asking for support of like, I, realizing that we, we're, we're not separate ecosystems. Like we need each other. Same way on the farm, you can't just grow one crop all the time. It's like you need other crops and we need different perspectives mm -hmm. on all of this. So yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if I have another question, but it's just, I guess, appreciation for all that, that you've done and how you've, um, you've really been making this work for you. And then excitement because I, a few of my clients and friends have taken your kitchen therapy pilot program and it's been like the most satisfying thing for me to watch their before and afters mm -hmm. of their kitchens. I love a good makeover shot in general about anything, but those kitchen shots are so incredible. So what is it like for you to be going into people's homes and really be doing this thing that that was just a dream a while back. Yeah, I love that too. I'm a big, um, you know, any show, whether it's like a show about surgery or homes or, you know, whatever, before and after shot is totally my, I will watch till the end of that show. Um, so when I did my own kitchen after realizing that it wasn't functioning well and getting a lot of just really good I guess gratification out of that process and the and the function of it afterwards, um, and along with your advice to like add add into your work what what you enjoy and what you what you move towards. And um, obviously, I have no background in any kind of like construction or kitchen design or anything like that. But um, you know, I can certainly help people 
evaluate what they have from a food perspective and from a from a gadget perspective and put it in a place that makes sense and you don't need a degree to do that so um, that was a really good thing to add to my program and I think yeah most people and and again if this is one of the things where like the worse it is the better it gets so um, if you're already functioning at a pretty good level with your organization and, and it's not going to be a huge you know before and after kind of thing um, that's great but the ones that are super just you know cluttered again from a lack of system and can then be made to a place that not only functions well but like feels better to be in there's a lot of I think maybe not a lot of but there's research around people who live in a cluttered place and who also then have corresponding health issues with um, you know, anything from like mental health to physical health issues, because that clutter really starts to seep into you and, and clutter up your mind in a way. Um, so that's, yeah, something that I think, you know, everyone, you know, at least annually, you need to do some sort of large scale, like going through of your stuff. But once you've got the systems in place, that process gets way easier um, and so I've loved I mean it sounds crazy but yeah spending three or four hours in someone's kitchen helping them just completely make a mess destroying it and then reassembling the pieces is really really gratifying so um, I'm trying to put it together into a module so that people could do this for themselves without my presence there and I would still hopefully get to see a before and after picture um, but the process of doing it also also feels really good. It's like a like a deep cleaning for your mind and soul as well as your kitchen. Mm. It, you make such a good point about the clutter. I think the clutter it seeps into every aspect of our being. It's not just a physical thing. And I really learned this when I, I did the Conmary process, uh, where I like hugged everything to me and let go of other things that didn't bring me joy. And it's, it changed. I just opened up so much more space in so many parts of my life and I'm getting ready to move at, um, on June 1st. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, everything I want to take with me. And it's not this thing of like, Oh, I have to do this big purge before I move. It's like, I think like, the system works. If you can like be, have someone there to hold your hand and help you. Cause I think it's so hard to let go of things sometimes because we feel like we might need them or feel bad about throwing something away or whatever it is. So I love the idea of you doing a self-guided program. And, and for all the people who are listening out there who do feel like overwhelmed by clutter in their kitchen or it's not working for them, is there one kind of like tip or, or mentality that they can embrace to start to help them declutter? My process is very simple. Um, it is not necessarily quick, but it is effective in that when I go into someone's kitchen, we don't organize around things. We take everything out because like I said, I think you get really attached to, well, this is that thing that goes there and, and that's how it looks or that's where it is. Um, so we empty the entire cabinet. Even if we end up putting something back in the exact same place that it was, it allows you to reorganize and realize maybe you have things living in separate cabinets that should be living next to each other. So um, that's the process that I use. It really works. It really requires you. Um, and in fact, we just did one yesterday and the, and the client was like, you know, I was planning to do this like one little shelf at a time. And now I see that that wouldn't have worked because we ended up completely like moving her spices and, you know, oils and vinegars from a cabinet to a drawer and then putting things from that 
you know, it, stuff ends up moving around. So you need to create the space for other things to move in before, um, you know, you, before you actually have that process going. So I, I think that is, that is the key for me, at least. I don't know if there are other systems that work, but my advice is just plan, you know, and honestly, some of the, some of the hardest kitchens that I've done have been between three and four hours long. So two people working constantly for three or four hours can do this top to bottom. You don't need to set aside an entire weekend. Um, but you need to be committed to it and really also consider, um, I guess, things that don't store easily. So like we have a lot of bagged items these days and like bagged nuts and bagged everything, really flowers, who knows. And so they don't, they don't store well because they don't stand up easily. So getting boxes to put things that don't um, stand, up, stand themselves up is, a major organizing principle that also really transformed my space from having an avalanche of bags containing nuts and seeds that would fall out when I tried to get the one in the back to having a box that I can just, you know, take down from the shelf and put back on the shelf pretty easily. So those are my, those are my two just, just do it little tips, I guess. Lovely. Great. I can't wait for you to come over and help Micah, my partner, and I combine kitchens together. I feel very good about my systems that I know that when I put my kitchen with Micah's kitchen, it's going to create, we're going to need some new systems. So I'm excited to have a professional in my life to help me with this. <laughs> yeah. um, this has been great. I, I always like to end by asking what, what self-care really means for you, because I think it can be a very personal question and, and yet every answer helps to us all to figure out what a universal definition is. So how, what is self-care for you and how do you use it in your life? Yeah. Um, well, and I was just thinking about this over the past few days because I've always felt that I have really good personal physical self-care and that I, and maybe this has held me back in, in being self-employed in some ways because I will not work through the night. I will not sacrifice um, sleep or eating well for, for almost anything, right? So I've always done the things that I need that really, you know, make me functional for myself. But um, I guess thinking about it now, I realize that I should expand that, that definition of self-care to also be in the, um, the asking for help of, of the, like when I was talking about moving, moving my business forward and getting what, getting things going that I really needed to get, get going that I hadn't, um, is it, yeah, I guess I'm not saying this that eloquently, but the physical aspect I think is, is super important. And, and beyond that, you have to ask for the help that you need from a, um, whether that's a business perspective or a mental perspective, um, you know, self-care isn't just about you as a self, it's about you in connection. And so that's, I guess, what the meaning is more to me now. It's, it feels really true to my experience as well. Like, I think I came into self-care thinking much more about like, I'm going to, I'm going to establish all these physical kind of things to do. And that was, that was important. And I think getting some bodily self-care down first is because you have to be physically grounded before you can mm -hmm. even be in relationship with other people yeah. and be mentally and emotionally present. But as I go on with this process, I see that, that the depth of my self-care is my willingness to be vulnerable in groups, my um, embracing of community and serving that community and letting that community serve me and, and making sure that I have time for like 
really gratifying conversation every day and that I have people in my life that, that lift me up in this way. And I was at a dinner party with a bunch of like DC healers last night and we were all saying the same thing that like our, our self-care is really making sure we're having conversations that inspire us and people that, that bring us up in our lives. So I, I, I feel that too. Sarah, how can people stay in touch with you, learn more about how they can get kitchen therapy working in their life and um, keep track of, of your dream farm coming true? Yeah. Um, well, my website is whyfoodworks.com. And I also am most active on Instagram, somewhat on Facebook, very little on Twitter under at whyfoodworks on all of those things. Um, also, in the back of my mind, I'm trying to be more active on Pinterest, but that hasn't happened yet. So all of those ways. Um, my email is Sarah at whyfoodworks.com. Sarah with an H. Um, and yeah, if you come to usually mostly the Arlington Farmer's Market on Saturday mornings, you can find me in person right there selling some veggies. Okay. We'll put all that information in the show notes. So stay in touch with Sarah. She, has, she posts a lot of great recipes and, and tricks and tips for, for having that good relationship with food. If you're listening out there, think like a good first step would just be to take a look around your kitchen and really ask yourself honestly if it's conducive to being able to cook and nourish yourself and have a good relationship with food. If it's not, to like embrace that help of maybe asking a friend to come help you, maybe hiring Sarah to come help you or, or just to, to look outside of yourself and see if there's someone else that can help you get into that good relationship with cooking and food that you want. Go visit a farmer's market, go visit a farm. And, and then maybe your dreams have nothing to do with food or farming or anything, but just to, to use Sarah's example of like, you can have a big dream and you can make every little step of your life right now start to move in that direction of the dream. And, and a lot of it is just, structuring it in the right way and, and being open to support. So thanks for being here, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. It's been a pleasure. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. Be well and get in touch with any feedback, questions, or ideas for me. I always love to hear them. All right. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also, write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.